Hola, mi gente. Welcome to Casa y Comunidad con the Latina Mortgage Broker, Paulina Flores. Episode 2, Dreamers Unfiltered. Vámonos. Hello, hello. All right, I want to introduce one of my very good friends, Liz Escalante, to Casa y Comunidad. She is one of my former colleagues when I was uh, in retail lending. She is also one of my sorority sisters at Katie Kai. She is a DACA recipient and has so much knowledge and information uh, that we can all learn from. So please help me welcome Miss Liz Escalante. Hola, Liz, ¿cómo estás? Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for taking the time to jump on this podcast with me and go over some of the things that we go through as first generation, you know, <laughs> college students, immigrants, and, you know, all of the above. I know I, I know I wanted to um, ask you a little bit about how it was growing up. I know you're a DACA recipient. So how old were you when you came to the United States? So I moved to Arizona when I was four. Uh, so super little. Um, I've never been back to Mexico since, as most a lot of us have been in that position um, just because of the way that immigration laws are written and the certain rules that we have to follow. Um, so yeah, I moved here since I was four. So I was raised in the U.S. Um, I uh, graduated from high school in the U.S. I uh, went to ASU uh, where I joined Katie Kai. Um, and yeah. That's... Now tell, tell me a little bit about that. So you came here at four did you know you didn't have like a legal status like when you were little growing up or you just like had no like yeah. concept of that? Right. I didn't have any concept of that. I didn't realize that really I had, you know, that I was undocumented when uh, until I was like 16 and everybody around me was getting their licenses and I wanted to get my license. Obviously, I wanted to like be able to drive legally <laughs> and, um, like normal things that teenagers do. And then that's when my mom and my dad were like, in Arizona at the time, if you were undocumented for whatever reason, they decided that the best option was to not give people licenses and IDs. So they were like, yeah, you can't get one because this is what's, you know, the situation. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, that was a big, um, like, thing to kind of process when you're 16 and adolescent, you know, growing up. Do you think you processed it at the time or were you just kind of like, oh shit, like, did you really at a 16 year old mind really understand like what that meant for you? Um, I don't, I mean, I think I did because it, it was like, how do I explain it? It was like, I understood what was going on, um, to a certain extent, I guess. I guess maybe not. I did it. I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I think I'm still processing it. <laughs> You're like, I'm still trying to figure it out. Trying yeah. To figure it out. yeah. Sometimes I, I still forget sometimes like some of my friends who have known my whole life, they'll be like, forget, you know, we forget what the situation is sometimes, but yeah. I know I forget. I'm like, let's go to Cancun. I think I called you the other day and you're like, Paulina, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. And I was like, oh, 
come back. <laughs> and you said that, you said, I won't come back. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I don't know for sure. Um, but it, I mean, yeah, it was just, it's one of those weird things. It definitely like brings on like a certain set of trauma because you're living your life almost like any second your life can literally be snatched from you. Cause at this point, like all of DACA recipients who, you know, have applied and gotten approved and everything, like we've given like our whole information to the government. So like, we're very well tracked. We get our fingerprints taken every, you know, two years, every two years that we renew. So, um, and then how many times have, especially the most recent administration, you know, have, have said, let's take away DACA from these people came here when there were four. Um, so it's like one of those things where you were like in constant, um, like, oh my God, my life could be literally snatched from me, you know, whatever the government decides to do, they know where I live. They know everything about me, where I've worked, where I've lived. Um, so it's one of those things that you, I think then kind of portrays into even like the home buying experience for me, because if we, I just bought my first home, just closed last year. It's our, our first time with my partner. And I was the one that worked in the industry at that point, like seven years, but I was scared to buy a house. Not the other way. And that's crazy to think of. So you were in the real estate industry. Yeah. You were a licensed loan officer with DACA and you were scared to buy a house. Yes. Like that's like mind blowing. Like what? And then Mm -hmm. I know me and you, that's where we connected the most, like because we're different generations of the sorority. Uh, but we couldn't do the most because we both worked at that former retail lender. And yeah. even the stigma of asking, I know we talked about this, the employee team, like, hey, can I get a loan? Can mm-hmm. I get a home loan? And once you revealed that you were DACA, it was like, oh. It was a different treatment. It definitely left like, uh, you know, sour taste in my mouth. I know that just a couple of years before um, the federal government under our the last administration had initially said that DACA recipients couldn't um, get like FHA loans. So I don't know if, if that was part of it um, with the initial kind of reaction of the person who, who I spoke with. Um, but yeah, after that, it just scared me too. Like, I was like, oh, well, if somebody who's like so tenured and so, um, experienced quote unquote is telling me like, basically like made, like didn't return my calls, didn't, you know, wasn't like you're a loan officer, you know, you follow up with somebody who's interested. Um, and, uh, yeah. So then after that, when me and my partner were like, okay, let's buy a house, I was, down like I was like okay let's do it but I was scared and it ultimately like I kind of uh I was like I know what I'm doing I know what I'm reading as far as like the loan goes and I can understand if it's like a good deal or not a good deal blah blah blah. Uh, but I told my partner I'm like you're handling everything like as far as like the paperwork and everything because it gave me a lot of anxiety because it I felt like you grow up with this fear of, of things being taken from you. So I kind of felt like I don't want to get my hopes up and then have this fall through. 
because how many times have I gotten my hopes up about the dream act or, you know, things like that. Um, and that. And that's really scary because even being that you are in the industry, you, you understand those documents more than your partner does because you do it every day in and out with your own clients yeah. and to be sitting there telling your partner who doesn't work in our industry, Hey, handle this because I'm so anxious and I'm so scared that we're not going to get approved just says a lot of how backwards, you know, society is and our administration is mm -hmm. with handling, you know, these, these situations. Yeah, for sure. Now you have the house now, cause I know I went to it. <laughs> I've been there. So I know you have the house now, but how was that? How did you get the house? Yeah. So, I mean, really it was a lot of, um, pushing from my partner. Um, she was out here looking for homes, talking to realtors and like sending me information. And I'd be like, yes, no, yes, no, um, about things. So we ended up going through a wholesale, uh, lender because mm -hmm. being that I'm in the industry, it, it, it felt comfortable. It was somebody I'd known who I had met, um, at the retail, retail lender location. So good friends, like my, one of my best friends, uh, boyfriends. And it was, he made it like, he understood where I was coming from. He's also a part of like our community. So he made the process so seamless. He knew the ins and outs of how things work for us when we're uh, DACA recipients and when we're applying for a home. Um, and he gave us a great loan and we worked with an awesome realtor who um, also knew what you know they were doing and our situation. So once we actually found a home um, and like submitted an offer and everything, everything happened really, really fast. Yeah, yeah I remember that. It was yeah. like we were looking for homes and the next day we had like a closing day. I was like, oh, dang. Now, like, did you just cry? Because I would have just, I mean, I, I cried normally when I bought my first house. I can't imagine the overwhelming feeling of, okay, I have keys in my hand after people have said no to me right. because I was DACA. Yeah, I think that actually um, it, it was, it was like really like a, it was like a happiness also a relief though because again there was like a lot of burden and the you put a lot of like self I don't know what is the word like self-doubt I guess on yourself and so when you're in constant fear of like something not going through you put yourself through a lot of like stress so there was a lot of relief in the closing a lot of uh happiness and it just made me realize like you know wow like I can own a home there are so many people who are in my position who can own a home and there's such a misconception in thinking like you have to have 20% down, you have to have, you know, perfect credit, you have to, um, you know, have a ton of money in the bank, a ton of assets, but it's like, if I can do it, you know, or anybody can, there's so many. Yes, yes. And I know like you're very well-versed on the lending side for self-employed clients because mm -hmm. there was a time where you were working that whole demographic where the only thing you dealt with was self-employed clients on the lending side. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what is the craziest thing you've heard on the self-employed side? I mean, I've had clients who have reported 
you know, negative income for the year who have homes and have refinanced or they've purchased. So I think one of the craziest things I've heard, yeah, is like just people who literally are reporting to the IRS that they are making no money, um, but they are able to get approved for loans because there's different routes that they, you know, can take. Um, and I think that's one of the craziest things because our community, we don't grow up, you know, thinking like that or finding those loopholes. We don't know any, any of that growing up. Because we don't ask questions. We don't ask how much you make. We don't ask, how did you do that? We don't ask, how did you get that LLC here? Who did you ask? Like, we don't, you know, give each other information for one reason or the other, maybe a, either a lack of education or just being, you know, envidiosos or whatever the case might be that we don't help each other out in our community to say like, hey, yeah, there is bank statement only loans for self-employed clients. Hey, we we can add back mileage and depreciation and do all kinds of things with your tax returns. Right. Because coming back to the same thing, it's a lack of information mm-hmm. um, within our own community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think that uh, now being on this on this side too, not just as somebody who worked in the industry, but somebody who went through the process of buying a home, um, I think it's really important that we share information with one another. Like there's no shame in whatever it is, you know, your credit history might be. There's always a solution to getting from point A to point B. And if we share that information within one another, our friends, you know, whatever, the same way that you're like sharing information on this podcast, I think it can help um, our community, our Latin, you know, Latinx community, whatever Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. And I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me through this. I know that you have some really good stories through through everything. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast and be very transparent because I know it's hard to say, you know, something that everybody's going to listen to. Hey, I have DACA and here I am. (laughs) Right. Um, So I thank you so much for that. Any last words you would like to say to our audience? Um, If you're thinking about buying a house, do it, get started the process. I mean, the I, I mean, I once I found a house from finding the house to closing, it went really fast. But essentially, we started talking about buying a house and looking into buying a house probably like two years before we actually purchased. So it allowed us to, you know, see where we needed to go as far as like, how much money do we need to save uh, for a down payment or what programs are we going to look into all of that. So if you're thinking about buying a house, just do it. Don't be scared of what the market looks like. Don't wait because realistically, we can't predict the future. If you have the opportunity to talk to somebody like Paulina, just do one conversation can, you know, six months down the road mean that you're in your home. So yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Liz. Pues mi gente, thank you so much for tuning in. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos in the next episode.